This is your girl Shakina and I'm with my girl Shara and we are the Black Woman Reborn. This is a podcast where we have raw, honest, captivating, and informative conversations about issues that affect Black women in their personal and professional lives. Welcome to the tribe. Welcome back, tribe. Shara and I are excited to welcome you all back as we continue the conversation about mental health for Black women in our community. As many of you may know or may not know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And although the conversation has made great strides amongst us, we still have a lot of work and many more conversations to have in order to normalize mental health in our community. Today, we have invited my amazing and awesome sister in the movement, Reverend Dr. Dominique Robinson. Welcome to the tribe, Reverend Doctor. Thank you. Thank you. What up, tribe? Absolutely. So, sis, go ahead and tell the people about yourself and all your awesomeness. (laughs) Uh, So, what up, family? I am a New Jersey native. I'm a graduate of Georgetown University. I'm a double-time graduate at Emory University with a Master's of Divinity and a Master's of Theology. I have a Doctorate of Ministry from Columbia Theological Seminary. I am currently a PhD student at Christian Theological Seminary in the one and only PhD program in African-American preaching and sacred rhetoric. And so that is my educational background. I am an ordained elder in the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church, an activist, as my sister has shared. Um, And I currently serve as the first dean of chapel at Wiley College, home of the great debaters in Marshall, Texas. Reverend Doctor, you better come through with them credentials, Reverend Doctor. Reverend Doctor, you better. I need to see all them letters behind your name, Reverend Doctor. And under 40 saints and single. So if you trying to mingle, hit us up on the podcast. (laughs) Okay. Listen, and I know y'all probably going to have to hit rewind because I know y'all heard all of it, but maybe you didn't comprehend it all. So don't worry about it. We're going to drop all her stats in the bio on the podcast. You'll find it. Okay. And we'll make sure that she drops all of her information as well at the end where she can be reached and contacted. Again, I'm just so glad to have you. So we're going to start the conversation. We're going to talk about maybe some of our mental health experiences. Well, I kind of wanted to start it with the title, Shakina, because just to give the tribe some background. Shakina and I was thinking through, like, what do we call this? Do we just call this mental health, mental health awareness month? Like, what do we call this episode? And when we tapped in with Dominique, and so she was like, no, we need to call this episode, You Can't Pray It Away. And I was just like, woo, what a title for an episode. So can we just start there as to why you wanted to title this episode that? Absolutely. So I've shared with you all, I have been serving as the Dean of Chapel and Assistant Professor of Religion at Wiley College. I've pastored particularly what people would consider traditional HBCU students in one of the most unprecedented times in our history during a pandemic. So I have been there for four semesters and out of four semesters, three have been during a pandemic. And what I have seen in my role is an increase for the need of mental health wellness strategies, coping mechanisms, because we have found that we're not just in one pandemic, but we also are being bombarded with racial injustices. And my students particularly had to go back to homes that were not always safe, a rise of domestic violence. They had to go back to become primary caregivers and providers trying to manage going to school. And so what I found was that many of my students were using and relying on faith as a coping mechanism. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with religiosity or spirituality, 
But I do agree that many of us at times super spiritualize mental illness and think that we can just simply pray it away. And so I think that one of the stigmas, particularly around Black folk using faith as a coping mechanism, thinking that Jesus is just going to fix it and not understanding that we have to see a therapist. It's okay to worship Jesus and see a therapist. As a matter of fact, Jesus created, or God created a therapist and medication. And so one of the things I highly just always want to encourage people is like, you can't just pray this away. It takes some work and some things don't get resolved. Some things we live with, particularly as Black people. Some of us are already in a post-traumatic slave disorder mentality and we're full of anxiety and triggers. And so this isn't something you just get on your knees and pray away. You got to work through. Right. I know we're going to unpack that more throughout this episode, but to go back to what you were saying, Shakina, sharing some of the mental health issues that we may have um, experienced personally. And this is something I've been way more open about as of the past couple of years, because it really reached its peak back in 2018, where I was having full-on panic attacks and was hospitalized and like, what's going on? And that's when I basically was diagnosed. But I do have anxiety disorder. And that's something I really wasn't comfortable with sharing for a very long time. But with COVID, what you were saying, uh, Reverend Doctor, it's like the same thing. It's like it kind of added to, right? Whatever you've already been experiencing in life, mental health issues, going through a pandemic, (laughs) it just kind of just added to it exponentially. So, you know, if you didn't deal with mental health issues before COVID, I'm pretty sure coming out of this thing, a lot of people have experienced or now know what it feels like. And Shakina. Absolutely. Like you were saying, Shar. To have something that you were never faced with, like to think that you're in good health or to think that everything is okay. And then all of a sudden, just one day, you start experiencing things that you've never felt before or experienced before. That is scary in itself. In the middle of a pandemic, I'm not the church situation was necessary in the middle of the pandemic when you started experiencing this initially. But for me, definitely during the pandemic, my hair started to fall out. Stress. Being a leader in, you know, the local that I represent here in Georgia, um, the stresses of seeing my members going through things that normally I can help you with a grievance. I can help you make management get in line. But when your families are members are dying around you. And you can't be there. You can't get that closure. Your husband or your wife has lost their job. Because as we know, there's very few people in our community that can survive off of one income at this point in time. So while one job may think that they are giving you, you know, you're still getting a paycheck, but your circumstances at home. So all of that stress for me was a lot. And then also dealing with, you know, the other stressors of being a lesbian and dealing with my mother that I've always had certain issues and don't know, still at the age that I am, don't know how to cope with was very hard. So we have so many different things that we've dealt with over the last year and that we've been dealing with for so long. I've been dealing with this from my mom since I came out at 18 years old. But it heightened with everything else that's going on and still that back and forth, I think really put different stresses on my body that caused my hair to start coming out. And thank God I've um, been able to, you know, find the tools that I needed and get to the right doctors to help stop that process. So 
what about you, um, Dominique? What have you experienced during this pandemic? So I will say first, like, particularly for those of us who are people of color, you know, you tuning in, you know, we have and are experiencing a cumulative and collective trauma. And the pandemic has prevented us, like you all said, from we're a tribal people. You know, we gather together for good times and bad times. And the pandemic has prevented us from doing that. And, and in addition to that, has increased the amount of grief. And so the losses of people, um, the losses of systems of what was normal, educational endeavors, going to job, just normal things like going to the grocery store, right? And so loss doesn't always have to be about the death of a person. It simply could be a change. And so I think that we haven't even acknowledged the amount of grief that we have experienced, which has also triggered some of these other things we talked about, whether it was low grade or full on depression, being in the house and cooped up. Some of y'all been marrying, even though you didn't really like your spouse and you had this pandemic and some of y'all thought your children's teachers were just picking on your child and you realized, no, your child is a little, you know, out there on the, you know, on the bracket. Okay. Cause I'm one of the professors that was sending you messages, but you know, speak Lord, speak Lord. <laughs> right. So now you're like, Oh, the next time this teacher just in the email, you, you are bad. Go sit in the corner, you know, but there were so many things that caused us to have to deal with the demons. We just really literally got so we we use being busy and working to not have to deal with our own silent pains, issues, and relationships. And so for me, I lost my godparents who were rocks in my life. And I mean, particularly my godfather. I was a daddy's girl unashamedly. Shakina would know this. My godfather would come and hang out with us at our at our job. Um, and I had a work dad and he and my work dad would be out all the time. And I was definitely the daddy's girl that was like, you can't say nothing to me. My daddy gonna take care of that. Like what? Like in every aspect. Um, I'll be working a job. Somebody get on my nerves. I ain't got to work. I can go home. I ain't got to do this. And he died in November of COVID. And we didn't even know he was sick. He went into the hospital and he was being the primary caregiver for my godmother who was transitioning from pancreatic cancer. So he died in November. She died in January, the day after my birthday. And I kept going because as a clergy person, I went into work mode, plan a funeral, get it done, say our farewells, move on. And the minute I thought I could bounce back, then my godmother died. And I got to March of this year and realized something was not right. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. I was using substances for coping. Y'all take that however you want to while you're tuning in because you can't take my ordination. <laughs> and I was making poor decisions because I didn't want to sit with my own sadness and grief. And when I finally got to a place where I just knew something was right, I called my mentor and I said, I think I need to check into a facility. That's all I could say. And she worked with me. She sent me, she brought me home to Georgia and I was able to get into some intensive therapy treatment as well as grief share. So I'm sharing with you all who are listening, go to griefshare.org, a resource you can go to. They have small group meetings and they are doing virtual meetings as well that help you go through the process and procedures and stages of grief to help you find the language to articulate where you are and to work through things that you don't even know will trigger you. So like right now, I'm already saying to myself, I need to put something in place for Father's Day. You know, what do you put in place? What tribe do you need to be around that who can understand that you're crying, but you're going to be okay and help you work through that. And in my therapy sessions, as a ordained clergy person, Protestant Christian person, I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all how this went down. My therapist basically said, you are exhibiting signs of a nurse breakdown, which is rooted in what is a faith crisis. You are angry at the God you represent, angry at the God you preach about, and you don't know how to reconcile your life with that. Now, why was that important? Because I'm an ordained preacher. So that means when I did ministry, it was about God. 
I'm in a PhD program about theology. So everything I was studying was about God. My job was the dean of chapel talking to students and faculty about God. So I was so angry at the entity that I was embodying and teaching about that I couldn't make sense of my own life. And I did not know how to deal with that. So I am still on this journey of becoming well. I am still in therapy. I learned what a close village is to be able to share where I am. And I'm exploring African spiritual practices that some people would have deemed demonic. But God knows that we had this whole conversation. I'm going to ask you, if you can burn aromatherapy candles, then you should be able to burn sage. If you can take a bath with Epsom salt, then you can have an herbal healing kit to put in your tub. If you believe in saltine crackers and ginger ale, then certainly you can believe in some of the things, you know, that can help us even now. And so I believe in, hello, come on, burn the sage. Yes. Burn the sage, smudge the house. If you could use air freshener. Sorry, but she came on with the, with the sage. um, Come on, burn the sage. Sage this house, honey. I sage this house as I pray. (laughs) Speak this the religion and the spirituality, all of it. <laughs> yes, because we are beings. We are, I, like, I am a Black female Christian, so you're going to get all of that first, okay? And we can have a whole nother podcast conversation to discuss this whole Black people taking on the white man's religion, but right now we're talking about mental health and spirituality. And so ultimately what I'm saying is in my exploration of, you know, African practices, African spiritual practices, I realized it's very much of who we are already, and we were so busy allowing terrible language for us to demonize it and weaponize it when the truth is, it is very healing and soothing. And so what I'm saying to those of you who are listening is explore. Be open to exploring. We don't have to be reminded that life is swift and transitioning and moving. And so whatever you need to find your joy today and find your healing today, as long as it is not harming anybody else, baby, do you. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And so you know, listen, whether it's lighting candles, I have built an ancestral altar. Mm. Got my altar in my room. Yes. I, and so, you know, I got this picture frame that looks like a tree that you can hang pictures of loved ones. And so I was able to put pictures of loved ones on it. I found the Bible that my grandmother gave me. I found a cross that my godfather gave me. I, listen, got into some crystals, honey, you know, put them out in the moonlight, charge them, bring them back in the house. So I built this and I find myself feeling better about it. And so for those of you who are Christians talking about some, I can't believe this. Let me help you. In Hebrews, it says that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. In black religiosity, we're talking about the ancestors. There's no way we can talk about the cloud of witnesses or the hall of fame where we name Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, and you can't name your grandmama and them. So if you challenge my theology, I will drop my info so you can challenge again. And we'll be back on here to help you with the biblical passages. But if we're going to talk about Abraham, Isaac, and them, then I'm going to call all of my ancestors' names out. So when I stand boldly in the Holy Ghost and I stand boldly on the word of God, I believe that the wind and the guidance of my ancestors is also with me. And I call on those things. I'm not conjuring up spirits. I'm calling them from the balcony of heaven. And so you can't pray that away. These are practices we have to put in place. You have to start saying to yourself, what do I need to be well? Is it music therapy? Is it color therapy? Do I need to be stretching? Is it yoga? Is it exercise? What needs to happen? And you have to find out what works for you because we know living in America, you can't even run and be black. So you got to find something. Right. And I'm I'm going off. No, no, no. It's it's all good. But I do want to take a step back because I think it's interesting that all of us shared our mental health issue experiences and they all were very different, right? And I just want to highlight that because if you're thinking that mental illness is just suicidal thoughts, you're wrong. If you think it's just, oh, depression, I can't get out of bed, you're wrong. 
right? The symptoms of mental illness vary so much. And that's why it's important to really know yourself because you, you'll get to the point where you feel like you said, Dominique, like something ain't right. And sometimes you can't put your finger on it, but you know yourself so well that you're like, something's not right. And sometimes it shows up as lack of sleep. Sometimes it shows up as excessive anger or irritability. Sometimes it shows up as you notice yourself withdrawing from the activities that you normally would do. Your eating habits have changed, whether your eating has increased or decreased. You don't like to spend time with family and friends anymore. You have trouble thinking straight. Oh, I feel so cloudy. I can't think straight. Like just knowing that, you know, people have this one idea of what mental illness looks like. Take that out your mind. Because the very thing you may say, oh, I'm a little stressed and, oh, you know, I'm, I just don't feel like myself. And if that goes on for prolonged periods of time, then you really need to explore that. You really do. And Black folk, listen, your diet matters too. And I'm not saying get on a diet. What I'm saying is your intake. So your vitamin D deficiency can show up as symptoms of depression. So you want to also recognize that too. And we have lived in such a stressful environment that we almost allowed ourselves to be okay with stress. We have gone through pain so long that we normalize being in pain. And so what we also want to tell you is this, everybody has a mental health spectrum. And on that mental health and well-being, we all land in different places and different factors play a role in where we are. So while, quote unquote, you might be happy today and down tomorrow, are we not saying you're depressed? What we're saying is always check in with yourself. And so as, as my sis was sharing, like, yo, I mean, y'all, I'm from Jersey, so the yo came out. So yo, y'all will feel, you know, like all is well. But when I say you, it was showing up so differently for me. I am a type A go-getter, keep moving. I literally was just wanted to sleep, stay in the bed, watch TV. And I'm a PhD student. I wasn't doing any work. I wasn't reading. I was barely showing up. It would be two, three o'clock in the morning. I couldn't sleep. I want to just go for a drive. Stuff that would seem just ridiculous. I was going for a drive and would drive until I almost didn't have any gas. And be like, oh, I guess I should turn around and go back. I didn't have any direction where I was going. It's all like something's not right. I didn't want to take any calls. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't, wasn't on social media. Like, and that's another thing, y'all. Overexposure and being overstimulated, you need you want to watch that too. You don't want all the CNN alerts. You don't need to watch everything. You want to start taking care of yourself. So the question is not what is your mental illness, but what do I need to do to stay well? And what practices do I need to put into place? And what we are telling you is, that it takes work. You don't just pray about it. Lord, heal me. Lord, take this away. You have to put some work in and let me help you while you listen because mental illness is in the Bible. Okay. So if you read the Psalter, the book of Psalms, the Psalter, the, the Psalms that David wrote, you see David is up and down, baby. And he had lots of issues. One day he's, woe is me, kill me, Lord. And the next day I look to the hills from which come of my help. Now, David, what's going on here? Okay. You got Job who's like, oh, slay me, Lord. Okay, you got Noah, who I parallel to us in this pandemic, who the, the flood was 40 days and 40 nights. But by the time he got off the ark, it was well over a year. He got off the ark and had a drinking problem. Now, I ain't calling you out and I ain't saying that you're busy drinking during the pandemic. But what I am saying is circumstances will push us into places that could be substance abuse, anxiety ridden, chasing after being well. And even Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane said, Lord, if this cup can pass, oh, not my will, thy will be done. So what I'm telling you is that- I, I'm just saying I had a little extra communion during the pandemic. That's all I'm going to say. I had a little extra communion cup during the pandemic. That's all I'm saying, Reverend Doctor. Well, the scripture <laughs> says, as off as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. It didn't say how many times, just as off. <laughs> Hello. 
as off, you know? And whatever you are, if you have your wine glass, I want you to know this is the symbol of the blood that was shed for you and I. <laughs> and as the old Baptist saints would say, what can wash away my sins? Nothing, huh? But the blood. That's for you on the line. <laughs> Listen. But no, the question is, what practices do I need to put in place? And so start asking yourself, do I need to wake up? Listen, be be real. I'm talking about so detailed. Some of our alarms are so disturbing. The alarms we wake up to in the morning, some of that shifts our whole attitude. So we need to start waking up to different music or different things. Purchase a vitamin D light. That can be in your house when it's dreary. Maybe sometimes the weather really does impact you. Like I said, being active, but that means taking a walk in the middle of the day or walking away from your desk. Or if you are at home, separating workspace from where you go to sleep, if you can, possibly. Um, pausing to take a break, take the lunch break. If you're working, take your 15-minute break, baby, because the paycheck is going to clear. Take your 15-minute break, walk them down the stairs. If that means taking a bath, doing some lavender, lighting some candles, doing some coloring, playing a video game. Whatever it is, ask yourself, what do I need to be well? And put some boundaries in place. Now, I'm not judging those of you who don't have iPhones, but, you know, I want to talk to the Apple users. There is our features on our phone, like screen time and do not disturb, that you need to put in place. You can put apps on limitations, like your social media apps, no more than 30 minutes a day. And once you hit that 30 minutes, it will shut the app down. You can put your phone on screen time, meaning it shuts all apps down at a certain time of the day. Mine ends at 10, 15. And they all turn back on at 630 in the morning. You can put your phone on do not disturb on a certain time so that it doesn't matter who calls. You actually are resting and going to sleep. When you know you need to go to sleep, don't be all on these devices for an hour. Let your body relax. Give your eyes a break. So there are different things you can put in place that start helping your well-being. Because um, we got to do more than sleep. We have to rest. So, you know, what practices do we need to put in place? Now, hear me now. I told you prayer can't fix it, but I didn't tell you don't pray. Okay, we caught that one. Come on. No, that's important. We've had some discussion offline before we actually hopped into the recording of this episode. And I know that the three of us definitely agree that there are some challenges when it comes to addressing mental illness in the church. And I would like to hear your perspective, Dominique, on when it comes to the stigma. And stigma is an interesting word, right? Because when you look up the word stigma, it actually has roots in Christianity. It's a mark of disgrace, <laughs> stigma. So, you know, when you think about stigma and the stigma that's aligned with mental health and mental illness and how that relates to the church, I would love to hear your perspective, right? We can't pray it away. And often we hear that and we know that that's the expectation because it's very few pastors. I, I feel like I see more now these days that would actually promote counseling and therapy and definitely these other spiritual practices that we talk about. So can you just talk a little bit about the stigma in the church? Sure. So I think it's rooted in various understandings of scriptural experiences, which at one point in the culture of the Bible, Hebrew, Hebrew culture, uh, Greco-Roman culture, to be mentally ill was considered to be sin or a result of sin. And so we have narratives, particularly in the New Testament, where people go to Jesus for someone to be made whole or healed. And so let me first say, because I know I want the theologians coming for me, so let me be really clear. There's a distinction between being holy and unholy, clean and unclean. Those were the categories that people lived in. And it was a major shame culture. 
And so if you were not a part of this in crowd, sanctified crowd, um, you got that Jewish and Gentile culture in the New Testament and a lot of the Old Testament as well. But we're moving to the New Testament because that's where some of these stories of Jesus running up, encountering a man who had several demons and he had to cast it out and cast it into swine or cast it into pork. And so people talk about this man having schizophrenia or multiple personality disorder or a woman who comes to Jesus to say, please, you know, heal my daughter. And he says, I'm not sick for y'all. Um, and in essence, calls this woman a dog being safe on the podcast. Y'all know Jesus calls us one the dogs. I wasn't sent for you. And she says, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table, but she's coming on behalf of her daughter who is ill. And so we see these encounters with persons who could have been considered mentally ill and seen as sin. And it's not even just the mental illness, but disabilities were seen as sin. If you were blind or lame, it was somehow who sinned in his family? Who's sending her family? And so I think that that interpretation of scripture has led us, uh, again, as Black folk who've taken on a European paradigm Christianity, we've taken that on and we start to other ourselves based off of our different, what I'm calling diverse abilities, because that's actually what I'm studying in my PhD work, what happens when the preacher becomes disabled. And so what happens when the preacher doesn't look like the God we say we serve who's whole, but if we were made in the image of God and if somehow I'm in a wheelchair, does that mean that God doesn't look like me? But anyway, I went off on a tangent, but what I'm saying is I think that rooted in that, making everything black and white is where people have picked up this stigma of, well, something's wrong with you and you're different. Then that's why we can't deal with that. That's unclean. That's a sin. When in essence, real life and Christianity, it's all gray. It's radically contextual. I'm going to go off on this tangent just for those who are listening. If we're going to say universally that murder is sin, okay, cool. But is murder still sin when you put on an army uniform and you're fighting on behalf of us for the freedom of the United States of America? Or is a murder a sin when a woman has been raped by someone and now is pregnant as a result of that rape? And we're talking about what is sin. So I'm just saying that to tell you that different situations make you deem some things differently, which you would have called sin. It's not always black and white. Like I said, it's radically contextual. And so when we go back to this dichotomy of people considering mental illnesses and disabilities as a sin, that's what I believe the stigma is rooted in. It's rooted in a poor exegesis and understanding of the scripture and what is being called made whole or being healed. And so I believe that we as Black people have what I call a hermeneutic of suspicion. We're questioning everybody. We trust no one. And we are embarrassed by things. And so because we are embarrassed by being different, we don't talk about it, articulate it. And then when it's different, we demonize it. Which can, you, can you say that title again? Hermeneutic of suspicion, meaning we question everything. I don't care if you're Christian or not. If you're Black, you got the hermeneutic of suspicion. You know, you're looking over your shoulder, questioning somebody's intention. You know, y'all be locking y'all doors, crossing the streets. It's the hermeneutic of suspicion. We question I'm, everything. I'm, I'm highly hermeneutic, okay? I'm, <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie, girl. I'm highly hermeneutic. <laughs> right, so it's our lens of interpretation, how we see things. We always see something like, I don't know about that, girl. I, I always see the worst in somebody before I see the best in them. If I could take your worst... Isn't that what's also crippling our community at the same time? Absolutely. That we're afraid of the crab in the bucket mentality. So we're moving in silence, but we're not moving together to get us to that next level. So while we laughing about this term that she just dropped on us, I want to say it, but I feel like it ain't going to come out right. Hermeneutic of suspicion. Go ahead, try. I believe it. I believe in you, Shakina. Go ahead, sis. Go I knew it, girl. I got it. Now I just needed her to slow it down because you know when you know what you're talking about, you talk real fast. Say it one time for the people in the back. Well, of God, it's called hermeneutic of suspicion. <laughs> yes. 
But definitely, even though we laugh about that, that is something that we are really dealing with moving into this. We've been dealing with for a while, not just this new season of being woke, because you can be hermeneutic and you calling yourself woke, but you're not really. So I think that's something, again, that we can talk about on another podcast because it is plaguing us and is stopping us from moving to the next level. But it's also very necessary. Yeah, I think there's a difference between mental health. Yes, there's a difference between discernment and paranoia. Yes, right. So you know, we can have discernment, question people, look for some wisdom. Paranoia is thinking everybody's out to get you. You can't trust nobody. But I think really that's part of the reason why we put a stigma around it. I don't know about that. It don't make no sense to me. So uh, let me also add ignorance is what's also rooted in the stigma because you don't know, you won't investigate, you won't learn, you demonize it. And let me say this for the people on the line. This is not just about mental illness. The black church has stigmas against sexuality, against ageism. You know, we, you didn't even look into what it meant to be homosexual and a believer, but now you want to demonize it. You didn't even look into what it meant to be disabled and a believer. You didn't even look into what it meant for a woman to be active in ministry as if only a man could preach to you and a believer. And so since you haven't done your homework, you're allowing your ignorance and an inherited faith without investigation on your own to make you create a stigma. And so I think that the lack of, or like you said, it's changed. But I think that difficulty we had with wedding therapy and spirituality was rooted in the stigma of just ignorance of mm-hmm. people assuming that mental illness meant some sort of sin or issue. Because right. just think about how many churches you've gone to where you see individuals on the autistic spectrum or with Down syndrome in the sanctuary and in the congregation. It's because we don't create environments that are hospitable for everyone, including the caretaker. Right. I do think the tide is turning. I don't know if you agree with this, Dominique, but I really do think the tide is turning. As someone who also grew up um, in a church, Pentecostal, Baptist, I see changes are being made. And I think that has a lot to do with our generation and especially the generation that's coming up now who ain't afraid to tell it like it is, to say what they want, to say how they feel, and is completely unapologetic about it. Because you said something earlier, Shakina, when you talked about moving in silence, that is what has been carrying a stigma, is that there's this, you don't talk about debt. (laughs) Don't talk about your gay uncle over there in the church. Don't talk about the person over there who's experiencing mental illness. Don't talk about that that person crazy. You don't talk about those stuff. And that's how we grew up. You know, what happens in the house stays in the house. Stuff like that, that we grew up on those things and we don't talk about certain things. Now, this generation that's coming up, they going to say it. And they are really breaking down these stigmas. And I- I'm really excited to see how the tide is turning. Just to hit on what you were talking about, Sean, it was don't talk about it. But they were really talking about it to sister and brother so-and-so, but it was in a negative context. So it's not okay for you to talk about it. But when I want to get with whoever, so not just in the church, but the next door neighbor, uh, my co-workers or certain people, I'm going to talk bad about you. So now those people don't even take the time to get to know you. And then we have a problem, like we had one episode a while back called cancel culture. But there's a new culture that's coming around called calling out culture. So we're not going to cancel everything. And we're not going to cancel you for mistakes that you have made in the past because people do change and people do grow. But we're going to call you out as we see it. And we're going to give you a chance to redeem yourself 
And then if you don't, then we'll take the necessary steps to cancel you if need be. But we were with cancel culture. Sometimes there is a step that's missed. So definitely it wasn't just don't talk about it because they definitely were talking about it. It's just everything was talked about in a negative context and to bring shame on people. Right. And I'm about to do a whole plug for the people who got who were listening. I did a whole sermon on the cancel culture for the Word Network on Good Friday at New Birth with Pastor Jamal Bryant. So y'all can go over to the YouTube channel and get that quick sermon on cancel culture because everything that Shakina just shared is in the gospel. Okay, y'all get it together. But I also want to talk about that stigma also. Um, like you said, people talk about it in such a judgmental way. I think one of the additional stigmas in the church around mental health is also not only that, quote unquote, you're sitting, but somehow you have a lack of faith. Like, oh, you prayed to God and God didn't do it. Oh, you must not have enough Holy Ghost power. You must not have enough faith. God would have done that on your behalf. And I think that that's such a twisted theology for us to behave as if anything we do makes God respond the way we want God to respond. And that's not really how that happens. I mean, many of us can testify that there are things we asked God for that did not happen. And we didn't find out later about how beneficial it was for us. We didn't get it then. We didn't understand it then. And maybe we still don't realize how beneficial it is for us. We still like, God, you didn't you didn't work this out. What's going on? So I think that that's such a twisted theology to think that, oh, you know, like God's from ATM. Like, oh, God, I prayed about it. You should have already delivered on this. I, you know, ain't, you know, you ain't really deposited a check. Would you try to take money out? So, you know, um, it's a dangerous thing. But I think I certainly believe the tide is turning with our generation and those behind us. I definitely think the pandemic also highlighted a lot of things where many pastors have mental illnesses. So, so yeah, what we found during this pandemic is that a lot of pastors are experiencing mental illnesses and different issues. And because they themselves have had to seek therapy and counseling, now they are becoming advocates for it. And so I think that, you know, there are some people who say never waste a crisis. And I think that this pandemic and the crisis that it presented to us allowed us now to be very honest. We had to sit with ourselves, do some introspection and some reflection. And so the tide is definitely turning where well-being and mental health are a priority and we, were, we would be blessed to know that our faith also ties in with it. So before we get ready to close out, Reverend Doctor, because we're going to give you all your titles and accolades, all your flowers. While you here, we ain't waiting on nobody else to boost your head up because we're going to boost your head up on Black Woman Reborn. But I don't want, although we all grew up Pentecostal, Kojic, Baptist, whatever have you, I definitely want to not leave out our tribe members and our sisters that come from different religions. So please apply this to the God that you serve or to if you are going through a phase of people don't say I'm religious anymore to a certain extent. Some people do, some people don't. But I hear a lot of people talk about them being spiritual. So if there's a way for you to apply this in the spiritual atmosphere of your life and apply it to your daily walk, please do that. Dominique, if you could close us out with just a message for our sisters that may feel left out throughout this conversation because they are of a different religion, what message would you have for them during this? What I would say to our brothers and sisters who are tuning in, that even if you found yourself wrestling with the God, the deity you grew up with as a child, like I shared earlier in our time, that I would lean into the brothers and sisters that God has blessed us with the village. I'm a firm believer that we are walking deities on this earth. 
that we are gods and goddesses. And so I would say lean into your village, knowing that you have been blessed with people who do love you, who want to be there for you, who support you. And so when we don't share with our village what's going on with us, we rob them of the opportunity to love us and support us through it all. And we rob ourselves of the beautiful love that we have been blessed with. And so be clear, maybe it's not biological family. Maybe it is chosen family, but I am a firm believer that we are surrounded by love. And so my encouragement to you would be, don't feel shamed or bad about being stressed, depressed, not feeling yourself, anxious. Do know that it's okay to not be okay and that there are people here who want to help you. There are tools and resources to guide you. And that it's not a quick fix. It does not happen overnight. What you have heard from my beautiful sisters and myself tonight is that we are still on the journey. It will be an ongoing journey for wellness and being whole. You will have ups and you will have downs. Life will not be perfect. But what's beautiful about it is having a village. And so ultimately, even if we don't affiliate with any particular religion or God or deity, what I'm saying is lean into your village. You are enough and so are the people that you've been surrounded by. And uh, if you are that person, thank you for listening this entire time. I may have gotten on your nerves a little bit with a little scripture, but do know that everything that I was saying is also applicable to you. Find some practices, find some wellness practices, find your village, find a therapist. We're going to be all right. I know that's right. Well, Shara, I don't know about you, but I am full. She has tickled us. She has preached to us. She has taught us. Definitely. Dominique, can you please tell the people where they can find you, whether that's on social media, you have a website, where you're going to be preaching at next? Where can the tribe find Reverend Dr. Dominique A. Robinson, Black Girl Magic? Well, as a part of our mental wellness journey that we've been talking about, the truth is I have taken a break from preaching since Easter and I will not return until after Father's Day because I want to really focus on my well-being. So you may not find me preaching the next couple weeks until after Father's Day, but you can certainly check me out on my website, www.dominique, D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E-A, Robinson, R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N.com. That's www.dominiquearobinson.com. And on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, my handle is at Dominique Aisha. That's D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E. A-Y-E-S-H-A. Please hit me up, connect with me. Let's talk, let's chat, and let's continue this conversation so that we can all be well. Absolutely. And for those of you that did not catch all that or you don't feel like hitting the rewind, you can get all of her information that she just dropped on you all in our description box on Black Woman Reborn podcast. Until next time, Tribe. Thank you, Tribe, for attending this Tribe meeting. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button on whatever platform you are joining in from today. We upload every first and third Friday of every month on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at The Black Woman Reborn. Until next time, see you at the next tribe meeting.